Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. Broken for His glory. Let me give you the Corey Ten Boone. Corey Ten Boone is the author of a book called The Hiding Place. If you haven't read that book, you need to get it. it it's, it's a powerful book. And Corey and her family were hiding Jews during Nazi Germany, and hence the name Hiding Place, and they got caught and were forced, her, her sister, her 100-year-old father, were forced to go to a concentration camp. And Corey, long story short, later survived and went on to be... Um, uh, an exceptional speaker and uh, minister of the gospel. She's a Jewish family, but they were Messianic Jews. In other words, they believe Jesus is the Messiah. And in that book, um, it just really, it, it changed your life. It's so amazing how you try to find faith in the middle of something as dreadful as the Holocaust. And what, she would, what she's known for is she would travel and she would use these tapestries. She made these tra- tapestries and she would get up in front of people and she would talk about how her faith helped her through the darkest times of suffering and trials that anyone could ever go through. And uh, she would hold the back end of the tapestry up and say, this is how we see life. This is how our life is. And it's just a mess of colors. Didn't make any sense. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't beautiful. It was just a mess. And she says, this represents our trials and our struggles and our life when we go through this world. It makes no sense why things happen to us. And this is how we see life. And then she would turn the tapestry around and it was a big, it was a beautiful crown. This tapestry is actually at a museum in Germany. And she would say, this is how God, who is the master weaver, he will make something beautiful out of our lives if we will just believe and trust in him. That's exactly what Paul the Apostle is doing in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Doesn't it sound like a different tone than he had last week? Last week he's talking about the glory makes our face shine. It makes Moses' face shine. It made the children of Israel's clothes not wear out. I mean, it was beautiful and there wasn't one sick or feeble among them. And it was glorious and how beautiful that was. And all of a sudden, it's almost like he's talking about something completely different in this chapter. He's talking about being struck down and abandoned and persecuted and pressure from all sides. But yet he's giving God the praise and he's saying it's all about the glory. He's even using different words. He he changes glory to treasure. Everybody say treasure. He's he's almost talking about something else. But every word in the Bible is there on purpose and has meaning for it. And so... There's a couple of things I want to bring out of this chapter that I think will help us a little bit understanding and looking at trials. And as I said, this first one, I want you to write down, God puts treasure in our vessel. And I want you to put in a little parenthesis, when we believe. Now, this is associated with last week. I just, I looked at the message and the message was good. My delivery, I was not, so I left some doors open and some things. uh, It it was good, but man, I mean, are your worst critic. Amen. I know I am. And so uh, I looked at that, and what we talked about last week is how powerful it is to believe. We read it in the Bible that when we believe in our hearts that 
we allow the glory of God to get on the inside of who we are. Remember that cup in the dishwasher at the Sweden House restaurant in Allen Park I talked about last week, how it went through the process, but it didn't get clean on the inside. And so we can go to church, we can, we can know Bible verses, we can know lyrics to songs, we can do all these things, but if we don't believe the songs we're singing, if we don't believe the scriptures we're reading, if we don't believe in the God we're praying to, it's just noise and religion. Come on somebody, are you here today? That that's all it is. So, but when we put faith with it, when we believe in what we're singing, when we believe, when we read, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Then the glory of God is activated. Then the cleansing of the inside of the cup happens. And what, what does God say? He puts treasure on the inside of us when we believe. The veil is taken off. The veil is taken off. We can come to church for all these crazy reasons. You know, I just, you know, I'm just... Just here, you know, see if there's any hot guys here. I'm just here see if there's any hot girls here. I'm just here because the old lady made me come, you know, and we're having some problems, and I'm going to see what this preacher's going to say. You know, hurry up, because the Lions are going to beat Minnesota today, and I just got to get back to the game. Well, the Lions are going to win regardless, or whatever they're going to do today, it's regardless. Please don't be like that in church or when you're watching online, you know, because you're interested. And that may be some reasons that get you in, But let me tell you something, somewhere in this thing called life, you need to learn to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Believe that Jesus is alive and he died for you and he rose again on the third day. When you believe, not just hear it, not just listen to it, but when you believe it, you will begin to see the power of God become real in your life. We got any believers today at River of Life? Not beavers, believers. Come on, somebody. We got any believers here today? You gotta believe. If you believe, Jesus said, you will see the glory of God. Y'all catch that beavers reference? I don't know. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. But then he says this thing about treasure. Let's get in today. He says that God will put, he, he changed glory into treasure. Why did he do that? I think he did it on purpose because he wants us to, to see the beautiful and wonderful gift that we have. He calls it treasure. Do you treasure? Do you value? When I was reading this, I had to ask this question to myself. Do I, do I value? Do I, do I treasure the presence of God? Do, I mean, do I, do I really? I, I believe it, but have I even moved further in my faith from glory to glory? So now I don't just believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. Because believing will help you get into heaven. Loving him will help you live for him. Believing will help you go to heaven, but living for him. You need to love, you need to value the presence of God. Treasure it. Treasure the presence of God. Everything that, that is in the Christian world, in Christianity, put it into a bubble. Your church. Do you love your church? Do you love your Bible reading? Your scriptures, your Christian songs, are they, are they played in your playlist or are they just something you haven't heard, you know, in days or weeks? Think about it. This is important. Do you value, is the presence of God treasure to you? I mean, you can tell by the way we live. I mean, we all have bank accounts. You don't just give your PIN number out to anybody, do you? Tell the person next to you, do not tell the person next to you. 
your pin number, right? You won't. I mean, it's, it's personal. Why? That's your treasure. You don't want anybody coming into that. You know, you just, you just, I had an uncle that loved him, but he would take us and sometimes he'd have to swing by the bank and he'd go by the bank to get some money out. And he would never, he'd always do this. <laughs> he'd put the card in and then he'd put his hand up. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm your nephew. I know who you are, Eddie. <laughs> but then when I got saved, Lawrence, I thought that was going to change. But no, he still would turn your heads. <laughs> he ain't giving out that penny. Why? He, he valued his money. Here's the point. Valuing the presence of God is something we have got to go before we go any further in this text. Why? Jesus even talked about it. He said the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Jesus said that's how the things of God should be. It should be like when someone is just walking along and he discovers the good things about God. He discovers Christianity. He, he discovers Jesus. It's like this man found it. He said, man, this is so valuable. I'm going to hide it so no one else can find it. And I'm going to go back home. And I'm going to sell everything I have. I'm going to sell my, my clothes, my new car. I'm going to sell it. I'm, I'm going to get rid and sell anything and everything that I have. No one has to twist my arm. No one has to command me to get rid of it. Nobody has to command me to prioritize this treasure. I willingly value it so much. It's so valuable to me. I'll do anything at any cost just to get it. Does that describe us today? Think about it. Jesus said that's how the kingdom of God should be. That when we look at the things of God, we value them. And God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, Lord, whatever you want, I value it, God. I value it. Why is that so important? Because if we do not value the presence of God, if we do not value the things of God, listen, you're not going to make it through verse 8 and 9. You ain't going to make it through verse 8 and 9. What's 8 and 9? That's where we learn where tr with treasure comes trials. Paul says it's excellence, it's treasure, it's beautiful. And I wish we could stay here forever, but you need to know, boom, he makes a sharp right turn into verse 8. I feel pressure on all sides. I'm perplexed. I'm persecuted. i got all this going on. If we don't value the things of God, we'll do what many people do. You know, they say when tragedy, if tragedy hits a family, a diagnosis a loss of something, of some kind, big one, that we will drop 90% of things in our life. 90% of the things in our life won't matter. When my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer, it, it, just, it, just, it just shakes you. Those arguments that you were having with your spouse, they don't matter. The color of the carpet that you were arguing about that honey-do list, whatever big issue, whatever it was at work, that boss that is just making you so mad and driving you crazy. When we get hit with tragedy like that, 90% of things go. And during 9-11, I remember reading this years ago, during the terrorist attack of 9-11, there were over 500 divorces got canceled in the state of Texas alone. 500 couples says, you know what, this thing we've been fighting over is not really that big of a deal. 
And the thing is, if we don't value the presence of God, if we don't, if we, God is just something we, we just kind of tolerate and we kind of, you know, we believe a little bit when real life happens, when 2020 happens and division and hatefulness and prayers aren't getting answered and things are not happening and Nazi Germany took place. And I'm talking real life situations happen. If we don't value the presence of God and look at it as treasure, it'll simply be another thing that we drop like a bad habit. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul is saying here. Because they're going to happen. Trials are going to come with treasure. When you get money, you're going to have trials. Ecclesiastes says the more money you make, the more problems you're going to have. Ecclesiastes, it's in the book. It says the more money you have, the more problems you're going to have. And then it says the more money you have, the more friends that you really don't want you will have. People will come out of the woodwork and say, hey, brother, how you doing? <laughs> it's got this gift for you. <laughs> you know, it's a bracelet that says Ryan. <laughs> But your name's Billy. I mean, well, you told me to, I mean, we just, it just causes, it causes that people will, will just turn. And when you start getting blessed, when you start getting blessed, you start putting on Facebook how you got that new job, or you got that promotion, or you driving that new car, people ain't so happy with you. I'm talking about church people could be that way. Look at them. Let me know what I'm talking about. My dad, he always used this illustration that sometimes the church people can be like a bucket of crabs. You know, a bucket of crabs, you never have to put a lid on it. Because every time when one tries to get out, the other one pulls it down. You never got to put a lid on a bucket of crabs. Sometimes we can get like that. But in a more serious sense, when we have the treasure, when you believe in Jesus, Paul is preparing us for a trial that we haven't even been in yet. There's where he's going with this whole thing. He just says, I want you to know that with treasure is going to come trials. I mean, I, I know some of you might think when you become a Christian that it's just going to be like a walk in a park. And listen, for, for a season, there's like a honeymoon season, it will. There will be. The grass is greener. The sky is bluer. Why? Because the weight of sin, shame, guilt, all that is gone. And it is left. But after that, I'm telling you right now, there is an adversary. Ephesians 6, you run right into it. Be strong. Suit up with the whole armor of God. Because you're getting ready to engage in spiritual warfare. Why? Because you're going to be going against culture. You're going to be going against your flesh. You're going to be going against your flesh. You're going to be going against your feelings. And brother, when that happens, there is a shift that happens. You're going upstream and you're going to face some trial. You should expect it. Peter says it like this. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you. Hmm. As though some strange thing has happened to you. Don't think it's strange because you're going through some trials. Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's kind of a signature that God puts on his people, believe it or not, is when you start going through some suffering. Jesus said it like this, woe to you when everybody speaks good of you. Woe to you. When everyone speaks good of you. I mean, we got to expect this. If Jesus went through suffering, the Son of God, who do we think we are? 
You say, well, well, Jesus, Jesus had a, had a purpose. So he went to the cross. Well, that's the second thing we, the other thing we learn in this is that pressure has a purpose. In verse nine, Paul begins to say that I had pressure on every side. He said, I had pressure and I can handle pressure coming from one side. I can handle pressure coming from two sides. I've had it. But when you have pressure coming from all four sides, come on somebody. Like the book of Job, the Bible says when one messenger was given bad news before he was finished speaking, another one came and gave him bad news. Before he could finish saying what he was saying, another one came and just one after another. How many's ever had a day like that? How many's ever had a season? Maybe you're in a season like that and you just can't catch a break. I had years like that. I got them in my journal. I got them written down. Paul said, I had pressure on every side. But I want you to know something today. And this is where it is one of the paradoxes of Christianity. And that is this, that pressure is not all that bad. In fact, God uses the pressure. Peter said it, like, you know, I done said it to you, that the fiery trials are to try you. Paul is saying, I got pressure coming in from every side. But if you read the whole thing like we just did, he starts painting the picture and letting us know that there is purpose to the pressure. In fact, in, in Romans 5, he gives us a peek on the other side of the tapestry, if you will. And he says this, but we will glory in trials. How many do that? How many are praying for some trials right now? Hallelujah, Lord, just let them come. Ain't nobody here doing it. But Paul says he glories in trials. What's wrong with his picture? You know what the hardest thing about this message was? Is, is deleting all the scriptures. The, the Bible is filled with scriptures dealing with suffering. It is amazing how much suffering is in this book. I'm talking about just the New Testament. It is in a Thessalonians, he says, I say, he's talking about the suffering Paul is going through. And he's saying, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to warn you. For all those who are called by Christ have been called to suffer with him. You'll never find that on a scripture somewhere on Facebook. But Paul tells us a little bit of the other side of the tapestry. He says, but we glory in trials, knowing that trials produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character hope. That's a little bit of a peak. Now, we have a little bit now of why that is so important on the other side of the tapestry. We can see a little bit of why we have to go through. Listen, because faith only grows when it is tested. You ain't going to grow. You and I ain't going to grow when everything's going nice. Your relationship that you all in love, talk about, well, I, he loves me, he, she loves me, buys me my drink, my, you know, my little shake from McDonald's. And when it's, uh, uh, you know, the green one during the whatever, all, that, all these lucky, we have shake day, all this stuff is going on. You really find out how much they love you when you all start going through some stuff. I mean, know what I'm talking about. That's the only way that relationships really will begin to grow. Same way with your relationship with God. There's some good things about pressure. And I love the thing about endurance. Endurance is probably one of the most important um, virtues in the Bible is endurance. Having faith, we always say it's believing God for the big things. Well, I've learned 25 years of doing this. 
That great faith isn't believing God for the big things. It's about believing God for how long you can believe it. Not just how big you can believe God for, but how long you can believe it for. Let me say it again. I said big, great faith is not believing in the big things or how big God is, but how long you can believe him for. That's great faith. Come on. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. If you believe that. That's great faith. When Peter walked on the water and he began to sink, what did Jesus say? Jesus got him, put him in the boat. And he, he said, you of little faith. Why did he say little faith? The dude walked on water. He called them little faith because it didn't last. And what Paul is telling us here, that's why that scripture, I believe, is tucked in verse 13. It makes no sense in this text. He's talking about pressure and persecution. And all of a sudden, he says, but I have the same spirit of faith. I have the same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I speak. He's saying, don't put the veil back on when pressure is applied to your life. Keep the veil off and say, I believe that somehow this is going to make sense one day. Whew. Pressure. God uses pressure. He does. He just does. That's one of the questions I'll ask when I get to heaven, if I really feel like it. I love uh, Mother Teresa said this. She said, when we get to heaven, the worst suffering on earth is just going to be like a bad night stay at a hotel. So that list we got to tell God when we get up there, I'm just telling you. When you get up there and you see the majesty of the creator of the universe, when you see the one, as he told Job for three chapters at the end of Job, who says these words to me with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, for I'm going to speak to you like a man. Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Tell me if you know. Where were you when I said to the proud waves of the Atlantic Ocean, this is as far as you go and you go no further. Tell me if you can even comprehend how the dawn rises from the east and the sun sets in the west. Tell Tell me if you understand when a billy goat on top of a mountain gives birth or when a lion feeds its cubs. Tell me if you have any kind of understanding of how it is being me. Come on, somebody. Job, in all of his pain and all of his sorrow, said, what have I done? He began to get unraveled and he said, I have nothing to say to you, God. He was expecting an answer to his suffering, but God never gave him an answering. He gave him a response and it was himself. And when God saw how big God was, even as painful as his suffering was, was nothing to be brought up again. Because he got a peek on the other side of the tapestry. I'm trying to help us this morning. I'm trying to help us this morning. It ain't going to last forever. Tell the person next to you, put your finger right in their face and say, this message is for you. Come on, tell them, this message is for you. Then to do it to the other one. This message is for you. This message is for you. Because if you got treasure, trials are going to come. I'm telling you it's going to happen. It doesn't mean that you have little faith. In fact, it means you got some faith. And God's wanting the faith to begin to grow. But pressure, pressure, God uses pressure. He uses trials. I began to think about this as I looked at the word pressure. You heard of pressure points, right? My cousin, when we were growing up, he wouldn't start studying martial arts. So he thought he was karate kid. And he learned pressure points. He's older than us, so he's wanting to try stuff on us. I didn't know karate, but I was from E-Town. Come on, somebody. You do all that stuff, I'm going to kick you. I know, how to, I know how to swing. I know how to do all that stuff. But he learned pressure points. 
he would walk up to a grown man. He did it to my uncle. My uncle about smacked him silly, but he walked up to him and just grabbed that pressure point and brought him down to his knees. And then he ran as fast as he could run out of that house. <laughs> pressure points. I mean, oh, a pressure point can just bring you down. You could be buff. You could be Mike Tyson. He hit so hard. He just hit so good. That was my dude during my day. I don't know who. Now you got street, you got that MMA stuff in wrestling. Some of y'all watch. Do y'all really believe in? Okay, let's back up. It's real. Hulk Hogan. Okay, let's get back on the message. Pressure points. Pressure points. Now begin to think about this. Pressure points. God uses pressure because pressure points to the weak areas in our vessel. You remember fixing that flat tire on your bicycle, guys? It's probably the first job construction and repair any boy has ever done. It's fix a flat tire. You go to the hardware store and you bought a repair kit. And it had a little tube of glue and you had a little piece of rubber on there for your tire and it had a little silver thing. And then you got a lighter, if your uncle showed you how to use a lighter. And that was even the fast way. And you, know, and you took that hole in that inner tube, and you would do all that, and you would, you would fix it, and you would glue it on there. And you would fix the hole. But then to test it, you had to put some pressure on the holes, trying to help us today. Because you can't say it's really fixed unless it's been tested. You, you really can't, you can talk like, it's easy to dress like a Christian. It's another thing to live like one. It's, it's easy to sing the Christian songs and to say, I believe in Jesus. But when you're hard pressed on every side, on your left, on your back, when you look here, when you look there, all you got is pressure. Then you're being persecuted. You're being betrayed. You're being knocked down by somebody you love and you care for and you talk and you find out they're talking about you behind your back and they're putting a knife in your back. Then we're going to see about that faith. Yeah, you got to do it because, because this, was, this is why. Because God don't ride his destiny on flat tires. Somebody better get what I'm saying to you today. Because your destiny, you'll never get to your destiny on a flat tire. But the only way for God to test that hole, because we all got holes. I showed you that week, last week. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some of y'all like me, it looked like a spaghetti colander. What's some things that you, I mean, my tire inner tube had all kind of holes in them like that when I came to Christ. In fact, he was like, you know what? I can't even really put a patch on it. I'm going to give you a brand new tire. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I'm preaching to this church this morning. Do you hear what I'm saying? And even the new one's got to get tested, bro. You ain't going to let your kid get on that bike unless you know it's tested. And mother approved, or Nona approved, before we let little Elias James get on that bike. You put pressure on that tire and you listen for the Or you put it in a bucket of water. You put it in a bucket of water because you're looking for those bubbles. God's going to allow some pressure in our life. Because he's saying, I know you don't understand it because you're only seeing on one side of the tapestry. 
But I'm trying my best to tell you, just hold on because I'm listening. If I can hear what I heard Egypt, what I heard Israel begin to say when pressure was applied to them, they begin to say, we had it better in Egypt. God said, they ain't ready for the promised land. They ain't ready for the promised land. See, pressure points at a point to that unbelief in all of us. Pressure walked right up and said, put some pressure on Job. He'll curse that he even knows you. Put some pressure on it. God already knew he had the other side of the tapestry, so he said, okay, go for it, baby. Because I know how this is going to end. I don't know how all these trials work, if it's the devil, if it's my mistake and my decision, because some problems that I get into is not a devil, it's a decision. Come on, somebody. God's been telling you six months not to date that dude, telling you six months not to get with her, not to hang out with them, not to be with them, because if you hang around with wolves, my daddy said, you'll soon start to howl. And if you start hanging around them, then you start having some holes all of a sudden in your tire. It used to worship when you got here. It used to believe the scripture. It used to read it every day, but now you're around so-and-so. And they say, you don't really need that all day. Just go to church. And all of a sudden, they put a hole in your tire, another hole in your tire. And you are on your way to the great call and the high call of the Christ Jesus. But now you're on the side of the road saying, why is God letting this happen to me? Because he can't bring your flat tire self up into your destiny, baby. Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Someone say, pressure points. Pressure points. Pressure points. That pressure will bring it out, baby. That pressure will bring it out. Pressure points. Pressure from all sides. Pressure will point to unbelief. Pressure will point to pride. Personally, this has been my big pressure points. And I believe the great apostle is actually talking about this because we know that Paul, by his own omission, had a little problem with pride because of the abundance of revelation given to him. He said, a messenger of Satan was assigned to me to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure because of the abundance of revelation. So I prayed to God, please take this pressure off of me. And he said, no. I said twice, God. God, put this pressure off of me. He said, no. I prayed three times. God, take this pressure off of me. And God said, no, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness, baby. You got to trust the pressure. You got to trust it. You don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. One of the questions in the Holocaust time when uh, Corey Ten Boone and her sister was asked, by the people of how can a loving God allow this to happen. That book is amazing, by the way. It's crazy. The conversations that you have about faith in church is one thing. But you have a conversation during something like the Holocaust or something like in the Garden of Gethsemane or something like Jacob, well, Joseph, when he was in prison and still had to minister to the baker and the, and the cupbearer. And still talk about a God who hasn't answered any of your prayers. But you still got to minister the word of God of faith and hope. Come on somebody. You can't do it with flat tires. Is this helping anybody today? But it's the pride sometimes. The pressure will begin to happen. It'll put pressure on that pride. Paul, I believe, did deal with this because 
he said pressure is from all sides. And he began to talk about pressure from within. This is what made me think about pride because God doesn't, the pressure is usually associated with pride. God's wanting us to do this or stop doing this, but we're wanting to go this way. And then you got pressure. Pressure is never of God. God is gentle. God is someone who leads in front of us. He says, follow. He's the one that says, come on, Peter, get out of the boat. We are to be led by the Spirit. We don't get saved and say, Jesus, follow me, what I want to do. I want to still fulfill my plans, my dreams, my destinies, my agenda. God says, that's not how it works. When I say, follow me, I don't mean on Twitter. What I mean is you pick up your cross and you follow me, Jack. You follow what I want you to do. You say what I want you to say. You go where I want you to go. You say what I, you do what I want you to do. You're only going to do it if you believe. (laughs) Pressure a lot of times has to do with pride. And this is how I learned in my life. First time I've ever had a panic attack is when I become a pastor. Thank you, Lord. I stood in in front of judges, dude. I've had crazy stories. Some of y'all hear about, I tell a lot of them at Life Challenge and other places. Anyway, but when I became a pastor, I felt pressure like I've never felt before. And the Lord showed me that it ain't him that's doing it. Because we hear compliments. You hear compliments, you nail a great sales month at work. You hit those numbers. You deliver that pitch. You, you, you deliver that presentation. You, you sing that song, worship team. You, you, you hit that right on the Zechariah play bass. You just hit that tough part on that. No one else knows, but you know, and you hit it. The musician's right here. I see you. You do it just right. And they say, good job. And there's nothing wrong with saying good job. Please don't stop saying good job. Because a lot of times this kind of pressure, it isn't about what's happening to you, but it's about what's happening in you. And what happens is we start feeling the pressure. When I first become pastor, people would, well, you know, or first started preaching, people had great leaders say stuff about me. Worst thing is, is I listen to it. And I love, you know, oh, Pastor Eddie, when I knew you were preaching, you know, I, I, I would have got out of River Kids because I love to hear you preach. You know, or I love, I love this and I introduce you in this. And I'm like, oh, thank you. It's all Jesus. And this is what happens. When we get those present, when we get those good things, it starts to now turn from uh, doing what God's called us to do to performance. Because now, guess what? Now you got to nail that this presentation better than last presentation. You better hit that note next time on that song better than sister so-and-so did on that note on that song. You better hit that Zechariah a little bit better than when Tyler hit it because now now you better do this, you know, and and what's going on? You're starting to measure yourself the wrong way and you're feeling performance pressure. God said, that's why you're having a panic attack, baby. He said, let me show you how the real way to measure success in the kingdom. Let me help somebody here today. And God had to teach me this. Compliments are good. Please keep them coming. They help us during the dark times because there's dark times. After you hit that note, after you might hit Sunday night, I think back and the devil says, you big stupid idiot. What did you say that for? You forgot to say this. Ain't nobody listening to what you said. They were bouncing right off their head. They still post this on Facebook. Look at them. Your gospel ain't changing them. You ain't doing what you're doing. Is that just me or anybody else hearing what I hear? 
You'll listen to all these compliments and chats on Facebook, and then you that one comment that says, you look like you gained a little weight. <laughs> 50 of them said, how good you look in that color, but sister jealous, I mean sister so-and-so. God said, Eddie, you're measuring success the wrong way. In the kingdom, you don't measure success not by the harvest. You measure success by how faithful you are with the seed. A farmer can't do nothing about the weather. They're responsible for the ground and the seed. What does the Bible say? One sows, the other one waters. But who gives the increase? Y'all know your Bible. So when I preach, the measure of success isn't how many amens I get. It ain't how many respond to the altar. Oh, that's a 10 service. That's a, we do that because we're on a spectator mindset in the, in America. And that's just how we all are. And what that does is it starts building pressure because as they say in baseball, you're only as good as your last at bat. And so you better nail that presentation a little bit better. You better hit that a little bit better. And when I begin to realize that what God was saying and what he was telling me in this scripture, what I'm trying to bring out to you, the pressure began to leave the room because I can't handle what y'all do with the word. All I got to do is preach what God gives me. I got to be faithful with what he t- If it offends you, I, I don't even want to apologize if it's putting pressure on you because I'm just a messenger. I didn't write it. Don't get mad. He's just putting pressure on your marriage, putting pressure on your relationship, putting pressure on your purity, putting pressure on your reputation because he wants to see if you're going to do what Paul tells us to do. I'm going to begin to close. Did you hear those words? Begin to close. Because Paul, I believe, in these verses, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, and this is his main point. He begins to tell us what to do with the pressure. He says, I always carry. Remember, pressure on all sides. Pressure, I have pressure on all sides. They're coming in from everywhere. Then he says in verse 10, always carrying, always carrying, always carrying. I'm always carrying. Some people always carry all kinds of things. You can carry germs. You can carry all, you got a a license. You can carry a weapon. You got to carry, we want to carry everything. But how many of us spend that much time and energy being carriers of the gospel? Carriers of the glory. How many treasure the presence of God? I may leave out of my house without my wallet or my keys and I have to go back. But never, Lord, let me leave without knowing that you are with me. Not knowing that you are walking with me, not knowing that I've talked to you today. I'm not waiting to Sunday. I'm not waiting to the podcast. I'm not waiting to that message. I want to talk with you today. And Paul says it like this, I'm carrying with me the body, the death of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? The key to handling pressure. Here it is. You ready? When pressure points to your weaknesses, you point to Jesus. He said, I point to within. When pressure points, he says, I point to the one within. I point to the one within. I'm not going to be haughty. I carry it with me. I carry the death of Jesus with me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. So when I start feeling the pressure, I start feeling the pressure. Oh, I got to do this. Wait a minute. He allows himself to be broken. 
And when jars of clay, as we read, jars of clay, have we are jars of clay with the treasure on, on the inside of us. You can't see that treasure until it starts to break like a piggy bank. You can't get to that money unless you break that thing, right? Remember the old school ones? Paul is saying the, the same thing here. And he says this, this is the last point. And he says that brokenness turns pressure into power. Hear me today. Brokenness in your prayer. Brokenness in your worship. Brokenness in your attitude. Brokenness in all of the praises that you get from people. All of the things that you do. When people are speaking evil of you, I know you want to just let them know what you really think. And you may have to, I'm telling you, delete that post, baby. I know it's hard, but delete that post. Delete that. Delete it. Paul said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delete it because I always carry verse 10. I always carry verse 11. When I, when I die to this thing, then Jesus is magnified. When I die to this thing, then Jesus is magnified. When pressure begins to point to me, I point to the death of Jesus. I crucify that thing. When pressure reveals my lust, I die to that lust. When pressure reveals my stubbornness, I die to the stubbornness. When pressure reveals the pride, I die to that pride. Is anybody here today a river of life? I die to that thing that pressure reveals. As a worship team come, what gets in the way of us showing God's glory is our unwillingness to be broken. This is what gets in the way. This is why the world is looking for Christians. And this is why they say, you know, man, this is why some of us ain't, ain't convincing nobody in our family. We've been going to church for weeks and months, sometimes even years. But they ain't impressed. Why? Because they ain't seeing no change in us. We still talk the same. We still act the same. We still walk the same. Why? You got treasure, but ain't nobody can see it. You ain't nobody can see that treasure. Paul says, if you want to let the glory out, but I got pressure. You want to turn that pressure into power. It's going to come through brokenness. Because in the kingdom, the way up is the way down. You find this in Jesus. This is my last closing for real. Jesus went to the cross. He went to the garden. We must never forget this. This is why we're going to take communion on Christmas morning. Come and live stream in the home. Melinda and I have done this for years because there's a story in the Bible where they, they forgot Jesus when he was 12 years old at the temple because they got caught up in the party. And they forgot Jesus. Sometimes we can forget Jesus during the Christmas season. Sometimes we can forget Jesus in all of our accomplishments. Sometimes we can forget Jesus in all of our success. Communion is the thing that we do to remind us, but it's this story that Jesus went to the garden. He went to the garden to pray, not because it was on the way to the cross, and he's like, hey, you know, Starbucks don't open. We need some time to kill. Let's go have a quick prayer. Jesus was like, no, I'm about to go and be betrayed by my best friend who I just shared a meal with left early from the meal. That's never a good sign. When people leave early. Mm. Jesus looked at him and he said, you know what, quit pretending to be my friend. Do what you got to do, but do it quickly. That was Jesus' humanity saying, the pressure is getting a little bit even for me. And I love this because he goes into the garden and none of the gospel writers skip over what happened in that garden. 
We got a front row seat, baby, to the God of the universe manifested in the flesh. And what is he doing? He is under pressure. He's under pressure like you and I have never been. He's been betrayed by a friend. He's getting ready to have Roman soldiers come get him. And he's going to die a slow, painful, agonizing death. Goosebumps ain't happening. Pastor Steve ain't there in the garden talking about, let's lift our hands to Jesus. God is going to make a way when there is no way. I love that, Steve. But sometimes he'll know. He... He don't have it with him sometimes. Sometimes there's those moments when you're the inner tube and you're in the water. Ain't nobody else in the water with you. Somebody know what I'm talking about. And Jesus got down and he felt the pressure. And he said, I want to do this. But God, you want me to do that. Oh God, please, if it's possible, let me come up out of this water and kind of just overlook that little hole. And let me just go ahead and find, send Gabriel down here. He's always wanting to be in front of people. Bring him down here. I don't really want to do this no more. But he had to go through it again. Prayer number two, same as Paul. God, this pressure, this pressure. I want to quit. I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to the old life because I got my friends turning on me. I got people talking about me. I thought they were going to be supportive and they were for a moment, but now they're calling me holier than thou. Now they're saying I'm too good for them. And now they're making fun of me. God, I don't know what to do. Pressure. Three times. Son of the living God prayed that and the prayer became so intense that there's a medical condition that can happen and it's fatal when blood, your sweat turns to blood. He did that because he said, I want to get out of this water. But on November the 5th, 1997, there's going to be a boy from me course named Eddie. He's going to have a lot of holes in his inner tube. And if I get out of this water right now and I do what I want to do, it's going to affect him. It's going to affect the boy named Tyler from South Carolina. It's going to affect Tanya and LaDon from E-Course. It's going to affect the Reed family from the Bronx of New York. And I got a call on the Reed family. He's going to one of the churches in the hardest areas of New York. So I got to stay under this water. And I pray, oh God, not my will, but your will be done. Watch this. Watch this. And then there's that story in John. Remember, brokenness turns pressure to power. John, Jesus got up off the ground, looked at his faithful disciples. They're sleeping. In his darkest hour, his friends left him. But the Bible says he looked and Judas walked in. It was dark. He couldn't tell. No one had flashlights. Didn't have that phone app. They had torches and they were looking. They're all Jews. I don't know which one Jesus is. And they said, we're looking for Jesus. Your Bible says in the book of John that Jesus said, I am he. And when he said, I am he, the Bible says they all fell to the ground. Why? Kabowed, heavy, glory. He turned pressure into power by being broken.
Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.